My name is Jeremy Hetzel. For those who don't know me, I'm the director of student ministries here at Family of Christ. Thank you for joining us for worship tonight. It's good to have you here. Why are we here? What's the purpose of being here tonight? Tonight we celebrate the birth of our king. The word made flesh who came down to earth to live the life that we could not live. If you've been with us this month, if you've been with us in December, we've been going through the genealogy of Jesus. We've been doing a sermon series called Holy Genes. Holy Genes being, you have holes in your genes, not perfect, broken. We've talked about some of the people in Jesus' genealogy. Rahab, a prostitute. We've talked about Samson and Zerubbabel who built temples for him. And so we've been exploring different people in Jesus' lineage. Today, we're gonna talk about Joseph. Today, we're gonna explore Jesus' father. And what I'd like us to do as we read is I want you to think about what might Joseph's response have been to hearing some of this news. So, if you brought your Bibles, please go to Matthew chapter one. We'll be starting at verse 18. We're gonna jump around a bunch. We'll be in Matthew, we'll be in Luke and John a little bit, but primarily Matthew. So Matthew chapter one, uh, starting at verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So let's pause for a minute and think about what we just read, all right? So I'm going to pretend to be Joseph upon hearing some news, all right? So before we dig into that, this is, here's something that I want you to remember. Mary, about the sixth month of her family member, Elizabeth, goes and visits Elizabeth. And that's the mother of John the Baptist, okay? So she's gone. We don't know how long she's visiting Elizabeth, but she's there. So at some point she comes back, okay? So she's come back. Joseph comes into the house. Mary, Mary, are you here? Are you back? Did you have a good time visiting with Elizabeth? Um, I'm not trying to be rude, but have you, have you put on weight? Um, are you, are, are you pregnant? Yes, Joseph, but, but just wait, what? You're gone for who knows how long and now you come back pregnant? You're pledged to be married to me. Pledged is like almost married. It's like stronger than engaged. How can you be pregnant? Joseph, Joseph, let me explain. It was God. God put the baby in me. <laughs> Do you live in Colorado or something? 
Um, what, what? Do I look dumb? Honey, I, I know how this works. There's no way you're pregnant by God, okay? Like, that's never happened. Um, you, you real, that's, what, that's what you're going with? Yes, an angel appeared to me and told me that I would be pregnant, and now I am. Okay, God, thank you for so clearly showing me that this woman is crazy. Thank you for showing me before we're married. Okay, I, I can't even talk to you anymore right now. I'm out. So he leaves and he walks off. I don't know if that's exactly how it went. But do you recognize how mind-blowing that would have been? You would have just been like, that girl's been cheating on me. That girl's been cheating, it's plain as day, and now I'm PO'd. I am mad, but I'm a righteous man, so I'm not going to have her stoned to death as the law allows. I'll just divorce her quietly. I, I want to be kind to her, even though she doesn't deserve it. I'm going to be kind to her. Okay, we pick up the story. Verse 20 of Matthew 1. But after he, Joseph, had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Okay. Joseph has this difficult, mind-blowing experience where the woman that he loves, who he is pledged to marry, who he's going to spend his entire life with, is pregnant has there ever been a virgin birth before? No. It's, it's just mind-blowing. And he's supposed to take her word when she tries to explain it. Can you imagine how difficult that would have been? So he goes away. He has plans to end things. And God speaks. God comes to him in a dream and says... No, what Mary said is true. Everything she said is right. I want you to marry her. Raise that boy as your son. You're gonna name him Jesus. I want you to love him as your own. Can you imagine how difficult flipping that switch would be? I mean, I've never had an angel come to me, so maybe it would be easy. <laughs> okay. But maybe not, right? One of the things that I think characterizes who Joseph is, is, is that he was a man who understood simple obedience. God spoke, he obeyed. Simple. Now, is it easy to obey? It depends. 
If I'm told, Jeremy, you need to go to Red Robin, buy yourself your favorite burger, eat it, and go home. Okay. <laughs> I will. Right? When there's stuff that we want to do, it's really easy to obey. Simple. It's a whole different thing when we're asked to simply obey when it doesn't make sense, when it's unheard of, when it's confusing. God still calls us to obey. And Joseph obeys, even though it doesn't make sense. And he continues to live this out. Let's go to Matthew chapter two. We're gonna go 13 to 15. So the Magi have come. They've shared their gifts. They've worshiped. They've just left. Verse 13. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. A dream again. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Have any of you ever traveled with young children? Like states? Like Kansas? Like you just drive? Have you ever tried to do that all night? Ugh. Horrible. Not fun. Tiring. But at least for those trips, we plan them. We pack beforehand. We prepare to go. In this instance, they've just had an incredible experience where guys from the East show up and bear gifts and worship. They go to sleep on a high, exhilarated by what God has done. And then in the middle of the night, they got to pack up and go. Middle of the night. What does Joseph do again? He exemplifies simple obedience. He again, middle of the night, not necessarily understanding anything, God speaks, he obeys. Let's look at the life of Jesus. If Joseph, his father, earthly father, is someone who walks and obeys, listens and obeys, let's see what Joseph does. Or let's see what Jesus does. Let's go to Luke chapter two. We're gonna go to 48 to 49. This is the only story we have from when Jesus was a kid. So it's been Passover. Jesus has gone to the temple and stayed there. Mary and Joseph head back, I think to Nazareth or Bethlehem. I can't remember which. They're headed back. They think he's with them. They find out he's not. He, they turn around. Verse 48. When he, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. Mary, his mother, said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Jesus replied, why were you searching for me? He asked, didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? Even at the age of 12, he recognizes the importance of obeying what God is calling him to do. Even when it's hard or it's confusing and his parents didn't understand. So kids, this does not give you permission to disobey your parents and say, God told me to. This was God speaking to his son. 
It's a little different. But we can still listen and obey whatever God is calling us to do. Let's see if Jesus continued this. John chapter four, 31 to 34. Jesus has just spent time speaking to the woman at the well. She's a Samaritan. That's two strikes against her. She shouldn't be talking to a Jewish man. She's a Samaritan and she's a woman. She and he finish speaking, she leaves. The disciples had left to go get some food and they've just come back. Verse 31. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Like, I love lines like this. Like, this is hilarious. Jesus is like, I have food you don't know anything about. Did you go to Freddy's? Where did he get food? I'm so confused. Verse 34, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus says, I am fed I am nourished, I am encouraged by doing the will of my Father, by obeying him. I am encouraged and nourished that way. He continues later in life, Luke 22, 39 to 42. This is on the night when he was betrayed. He goes to the garden to pray. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Even on the night when he knew he was about to go through excruciating pain, when he knew that he was going to die, when he knew he was gonna be separated from his father, he said, God, I don't wanna do this, but not my will, yours. And then what did he do? He went to the cross and he died for us. Philippians chapter two, verse eight. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Joseph obeys when it doesn't make sense. Jesus obeys all the time, even when he knows it's gonna hurt, when it's gonna be painful. Joseph and his son, Jesus, exemplify simple obedience. So where does obedience come from? If we know that we're supposed to live like Christ and thus we're supposed to obey, where does it come from? I think it comes, I think it flows out of trust. When you trust, then you obey. 
I have up on the screen a lot of different biblical characters who trusted God, and because they trusted, they acted. Noah, build a boat, build an ark, not near any water. When it's never rained, build an ark. Abraham, leave your family and everyone you know and go to this land that I'm gonna give you. Moses, go free your people. And once you're out, don't go the route that almost everyone would go. Go plant yourself right near the Red Sea where you're hemmed in where if the military of the Egyptians comes after you, you'll just not be able to escape. Good plan. Joshua, I want you to go defeat Jericho. So go march and blow your scary trumpets. Make them quake in their boots. David, uh, there's a giant that's making fun of me. I want you to go fight him. All right, God, what, what do you want me to do? Um, should I get armor? Should I, what should I do? No, just take a slingshot and five smooth stones. You'll kill him with his sword. Daniel, I want you to keep praying. Even when it's against the law, keep praying. Even when they throw you in the lion's den, I'll be with you. Keep praying, keep obeying. Esther, I want you to go see the king. And I know the law is that if you go see the king without being called, you can die. Go see the king. Save your people. Disciples, I want you to follow me. I want you to go out to the whole world and let them know that I am God. When they kill you, when they hang you on a cross upside down, when they want you to recant, I want you to keep the faith. Continue to trust me, even when it's hard. Paul, uh, you're gonna be shipwrecked. You're gonna be bit by snakes. You're gonna be imprisoned. You're gonna be beaten. You're gonna be unjustly accused of things. I want you to obey And all of them did. Even when it didn't make sense, even when it seemed crazy, when the world made fun of them, they obeyed. So if we recognize that if we want to follow Jesus, we need to be people who simply obey as well, what does God want us to do? If we were to ask God today, what do you want from me? What would he say? we have this. His word clearly tells us what we should do. Matthew chapter 22, 36 to 40. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands.
What are we supposed to do? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, with all your strength. Love him first. And then love your neighbor as yourself. The only way we can live this out, the only way we can obey what God is calling us to do is to spend time with him. Earlier this fall, we did a sermon series called Love One Another. And every Sunday I had a cup and I poured water into that cup. And from the pitcher, which represented God, he was pouring his love into us until it overflowed. And when it overflowed, we were able to love those around us. There is absolutely no way that you can obey what God wants you to do unless you spend time with him. And you spend time with him and then you're able to love others. So if you want to simply obey as Joseph did or as Jesus did or as all of those biblical characters did, you've got to spend time with him. Because when he is in you, which he already is if you have faith, when he is in you, he will empower you to live the life that you're supposed to. You cannot do it on your own. If you want to obey, you've got to spend time with him. And as you spend time with him, you will love others. So first, I want to thank you for being here tonight because you're putting him first. But I want to encourage you tomorrow morning, spend time with him as a family. Get on your computer and pull up some worship songs. Pull out a hymnal and sing some hymns. Read Luke 2. Do something as a family. And then if you're off this week, do something on Tuesday as a family. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Put him first every day. Your family will be blessed as you love one another. I want to end with a story. It's a revoltingly beautiful story. And I wrestled with whether I should share it or not. But I felt like I needed to. I felt like God was calling me to. So our story, I read this on a blog maybe two months ago. Our story starts in a foster home. Now this foster home is not a normal foster home as we think about it, as in I'm fostering some kids, these kids live with me. This is more of like a foster home organization, okay? So they have workers that are there, not just parents. The foster home gets a new 10-year-old girl. Her name is Sarah. She's come in. She's now living there. Her first night, everyone goes to sleep. They wake up the next morning. Worker walks in and finds that Sarah has smeared feces, hers, all over the walls. And you go, okay, if I'm there, what's my first response going to be? There's something wrong with this girl. 
um, I'm going to come down with the hammer because she is being belligerent. She is trying to say that she's in control, all this, that, that, and the other thing. She just, I'm gonna make her know that this is not okay. The workers at this foster care house don't handle it that way. They come to her and they say, Sarah, apparently you have a reason for feeling a need to do this. So we're gonna set aside this part of your room, this wall, that if you need to do that again, you can. And when you do, we'll come in in the morning and clean it up. What? So night after night after night, these workers come in and clean up her mess. X amount of time passes and she starts to trust them. So she tells them, when I was four, my father, drunk, always came into my room and he would abuse me. And one night I had an accident and it so disgusted him that he left. And I realized that's how I could be safe. So night after night after night, I've smeared to keep myself safe. The workers, hearing this story, understanding this, then said, if that's what it takes for you to feel safe, we want you to keep doing that. And not just that, we're gonna come in and we're gonna help you smear it. So night after night, after night, a worker comes in and puts a latex glove on and helps. And it gets to the point where she feels so safe and loved and cared for that she doesn't have to do it anymore. And she doesn't. And she's healed. Why do I share that story? because it's what Christ did for us. He entered our broken, disgusting, weird world. And he said, I love you so much. I came to heal you and help you not be broken anymore. I want you to live the life I created you for. I want you to not have to deal with that anymore. I want you to live in eternity with me. I love you so much. I will do whatever it takes to help you. And that's what he did for us. And that's what Christmas is. The first time he entered our room, he came to us to die for us. The second reason I tell that story is because I think it's an incredible picture 
of what it means for us to be the body of Christ. Sometimes God will call us to do stuff that doesn't make any sense. Why on earth would anyone ever do that? Why would anyone help? Why would anyone allow it? Because it's what she needed. And in that same way, God knows what we need. And he wants to use us as the hands and feet of Jesus to love those around us, to love the people that are far from him. And he wants us to be willing to do whatever it takes to love those around us. As we celebrate his birth tomorrow, may it not just be another holiday. May it not just be another day just to celebrate and be together. May it be a day where we worship our father because he came to us to save us from our own stink. Amen.